Ladies and gentlemen, here's In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and on the other end of the phone line, I guess, is、uh, Joe Henley, who is a freelance writer and musician in Taiwan. But he's originally from Canada. He's been in Taiwan for 17 years now.、Um, let's first meet Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Shirley. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for having you again. Actually, because actually years ago, and we're trying to figure out when it was, I interviewed Joe. Um, and it was about his music, but this time it's going to be a little different because he's he's still doing music, but then he's also into other stuff. So anyway,、um, what brought you to Taiwan again? The story is that my roommate in college had lived here for a year, and she said, "Go to Taiwan. It's fun." And I said, "Okay, I like fun. I'll go to Taiwan." That's about it. So I came here、um, like as soon as I finished school. I skipped my graduation ceremony in two thousand five. Just came straight here, and yeah, just hit the ground running. I guess. And stayed on. Thank you so much for loving Taiwan. Pleasure is all mine. Like I've said that to a lot of foreigners here, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So you were actually into what、well, you still are. My band right now is called Dharma. It's Buddhist death metal. So we take、um, Buddhist sutras and mantras and we set them to death metal music. And we also have a, a Buddhist、uh, nun. From Taiwan in the band, who's on like backup vocals, and she does some like interlude things in our live show, and it's、uh, yeah, we've been getting some like some international attention. We were featured in things like the L.A. Times and CNN, BBC, all kinds of、uh, media have come to check us out because we're a death metal band with a nun, which I which I don't think has been done anywhere else. Before, to my knowledge, so it's it's something new, it's something different, and、uh, yeah, it's starting to pick up some traction in the international community. Oh, that is amazing! I feel like I should be interviewing for my music show. That would be something for another time. Okay, absolutely. That is so cool. Okay, now um, the reason why I'm interviewing today though is someone recommended you to me that you are onto this freelance writing, which I don't think you were doing before. I'm not sure. And you came up with a book. And that you're now pretty focused on migrant worker issues and human rights issues. So, what's with the book? It's called Migrante, yeah. Right, which stands for migrant in Spanish. Yes, it's the word they use in the Philippines for for migrant workers, for people who go abroad to work as, say, caregivers or factory workers or in construction. It's yeah, it's the it comes from the Spanish, and it's the word they use there to describe people who go abroad to work and then to send funds home to their families. Yeah, well, Joe,、um, tell me how you got interested or concerned about migrant worker issues and human rights issues. Yeah, I started like I started freelancing in 2012, actually, and just writing on a number of different topics,、um, writing about music, about travel, all, all kinds of different things. But in 2015, I was actually contacted via Facebook by a woman who was working as a caregiver in Taiwan. Her name was Jasmine Sanchez. And she told me that、uh, herself and a number of other people had some stories that they wanted to share with me that they were hoping to get out in the media. And she just told me to come and meet up with them at、uh, Taipei Main Station on a Sunday, which is you know it's usually the day off that migrant workers have in、yes. Taiwan if they're lucky enough to have a day off. So I went to the station to meet with them, and she had actually brought with her over a dozen. Other women who were working as caregivers as well, and one by one, they just 
told me these stories about how in a number of different ways they had been exploited uh, in their jobs in mm. Taiwan, either by having their pay withheld or not being paid at all. Um, there were instances of like sexual abuse, unfortunately, that they shared with me. Um, all, all kinds of ways in which they had been taken advantage of. Mm. And they wanted me to to write about these stories in the media. Now, at the time, I had a music column with the Taipei Times. Uh, so I, I contacted my editor there and told him what had just happened. He just said, OK, if you want to write about this, um, we'll we'll run the stories. So we, we started with the first uh, the first article that I wrote uh, about these women. And it just kind of snowballed from there to writing about it for the Taipei Times and other regional publications like the South China Morning Post and and a few others as well. Oh, wow. How did she find you in the first place? And were all these, you know, like you said, a dozen others that she brought with her all from different countries from Southeast Asia or or along with him also from where she's from again? Uh, she, she was from the Philippines. And oh, okay. All the people that she brought with her that day were also from the Philippines. And they were in the initial stages of actually forming kind of like a union. Uh, it was called MKT, Migrantan Kababihan Sa Taiwan, which just means uh, migrant women in Taiwan. And they were looking to form it kind of as an advocacy group for themselves to raise awareness of issues facing migrant workers in Taiwan. And she had actually found me because of the music column that I had in the Taipei Times. It was called Livewire. Uh, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it no longer exists. Uh, it fell victim to, to budget cuts, basically. But she had found me through that. And um, this woman who had initially contacted me, Jasmine, she had been involved in the music scene back in the Philippines when she oh, still I see. lived there. So I guess maybe she um saw something of a, a kindred spirit in me perhaps because i was always writing about punk and metal and things like that so, you know rebellious loud noisy <laughs> music and, and she was kind of into the same thing back in the philippines um so i think she thought maybe i would be somebody who would listen and somebody who would perhaps help to tell their stories and um i'm i'm very glad and very fortunate that um that she did trust me with with those stories because the things that they told me that really changed my perspective and it changed changed my life in a lot of ways. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm speaking with Joe Hanley, a freelance writer, and recently he came out with a book called Migrante, talking about migrant workers' issues and human rights issues in Taiwan. But then did you like, you know, arouse any problems like with the government or with some of these, you know, migrant worker agencies or something? Uh, some problems, yes. Um, as I continued reporting, of course, I had to speak with with the brokerage agencies in Taiwan. Those are the agencies, for those who don't know, who are in charge of bringing migrant workers from places like the Philippines and Indonesia mostly over to Taiwan. And they engage in a number of exploitative practices, uh, to, to be totally honest with you. They charge migrant workers very dubious fees, such as a monthly service fee that they take out of the migrant workers' pay every month, mm -hmm. whether they actually do anything or not. Um, the migrant workers often have to take out very large 
loans with very high interest rates from these agencies that they then struggle to repay because their base pay is often very low. For example, for a caregiver, it might be as low as 17,000 NT per month. And with the various deductions for things like service fees and for the interest that they're having to pay on their loan, sometimes at the end of the month, they're not left with very much of anything. Now, when I report on this, uh, obviously the brokerage agencies don't like having this out in the open. So I, I was threatened uh, by at least one brokerage agency with being sued. Um, fortunately, nothing ever came from that because everything I was reporting, it was very much based in fact. I was just reporting the facts, things that are that are true. So you can't really sue somebody for that thing. Right. Yeah. Um, with the government, not so much. I, I have spoken to people from of course, from like the Ministry of Labor, the Ministry of Health and Welfare, trying to get to the bottom of things like why migrant caregivers, for example, are not protected by the Labor Standards Act, which is mm. the act that protects, ostensibly protects all workers in Taiwan, but does not protect migrant caregivers or any caregivers, for example, even Taiwanese mm. caregivers are not protected by it. So I, I have to get answers from them. I have to find out why they think this is the correct thing to do. And uh, to my surprise, they answer the questions in a very matter of fact way. They're not combative about it. They're not defensive about it. They simply say that it's not a normal sort of job. They say that migrant caregivers in their eyes often don't have very much to do. That's what, what? they say. Really? They say, well, yeah, they say they say things like often, well, the caregivers just kind of hanging out with um, the elderly person that they're taking care of. They're just what? kind of sitting around looking at their phone, that sort of thing, which, um, of course, is not true. They're 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 in charge of the 24 seven care of this person. They're always having to look out for their welfare. They're always having to do something and they're always on call, mm -hmm. literally 24 seven. Yeah. And often, often they'll go months without a break. But in speaking with one particular representative from the Ministry of Health and Welfare, he said, well, it's not the same as a factory worker, for example, um, where the factory worker might have to operate dangerous equipment that could hurt themselves or hurt others. So they need regular breaks. They need rest, that sort of thing. They said the caregiver, they don't need that because often they're not so busy, which just frankly is not true it's not the case and it's a very antiquated view of what these people do and how much they contribute to society and what they do but that unfortunately is the view that the government takes in regards to the caregivers who play in my view uh, a very vital role in a society that is rapidly aging mm -hmm. that's a fact um Taiwan is is a super aged society. Uh, it has the lowest birth rate in the world, so we're not replenishing the population. So if, if these trends continue and all signs point to the fact that they will, we're going to need more caregivers in the future. So we should be doing something to protect these people, to show that they're cherished, they're valued, they mm. should be paid better, they should have access to things like regular time off, which they don't. They should be protected by the Labor Standards Act, which they currently are not, and there's no plans in place to see that they are. But none of that is being done. So this, in my view, is a crisis that is hidden 
in plain sight, but nothing of any sort of substance is being done to stop this from happening. So do you think, has it improved even a teeny bit at all since the first time you reported about it and talked to some of the brokers about it? Has it improved? I, I have noticed some small improvements. For example, there is now one brokerage agency in the country. They're based out of Taichung. They're called Maygod. And they are the only ones thus far who advocate for the people who hire the migrant workers to pay all the fees pertaining to getting the migrant worker to the country, paying all the fees that are necessary when they're in the country, and that sort of thing. Now, Maygod has come up against a lot of um, obstructions mm. in their advocacy for this. They were actually, for a while, they were actually kicked out of the um, the association of agencies in Taiwan for, for trying to promote this idea. They've since been allowed back in. Okay. And According to them, they also faced threats and harassment from other agencies for doing this. Uh, but they're still doing it. They're still trying to promote this idea that uh, people who hire the migrant workers should shoulder the financial burden of getting them here. Because as it currently stands, every conceivable bit of financial burden is borne by the migrant workers themselves. They pay all the fees. They pay mm -hmm. all the expenses in getting themselves here. And it's it's financially crippling mm. to them because often they're coming from a place, maybe not of poverty, but they're definitely coming from a place of financial uh, yeah. disadvantage relative to the people that are hiring them here in Taiwan. Yeah. And yet they're still the ones that are made to pay all of these, um, what to them are very high costs involved in getting set up to work right. in Taiwan. So it's basically pay to play for them. Mm -hmm. um, but the, yeah, so may God, that's that's one improvement. I'm really sorry to hear that the issues with migrant workers in Taiwan is still ongoing. I've heard about them for a while, and ignorant that I am, I thought things have been done to improve the situations, but I guess not. I know things like this can really take time, but I'm glad that Joe Hanley is willing to write a book about it. Anything is better than nothing, right? Please tune in again next week to hear more from Joe about the migrant worker situation in Taiwan. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin.